Oh man, Michael Kazin, we've been waiting on this one for a while now. Uh, he's Michael Kazin, I'm Vi Salas, this is the Sports Detox. Uh, we forgot to celebrate our Sweet 16 last week. Um, we've turned 17, we're moving We're moving uh, quite quickly up the, the age train. Uh, but here we are, week 17, it is the fantasy football episode. Mike, I know you're a big fan of fantasy football. I'm a big fan. I've threatened to quit fantasy football maybe every year um, because of some sort of horrendous uh, shriek of bad luck that has, that has really hurt my soul. But I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Um, a lot of times with fantasy football, they say you have to leave your team fandom at the door. I disagree. I always, I'm an Eagles fan. I always like to try and find one Eagle I can throw on my roster, whether it's just the kicker or defense, or if I'm lucky to get somebody in, in the, on the actual team, a skill player, I always try and find a player that I can add. So my question to you is, do you do the same as a Giants fan? Do you try and target somebody? Um, obviously you want Saquon, but unless you have the first pick, you probably won't get him. So who... Exactly. Do you target a Giants uh, player? Are you targeting a Giants player uh, this year? Um, so I, I do like to do that. It does make it a little bit more fun. Uh, I understand the advice. You don't want to be that Homer guy who's reaching uh, to make sure he has the Giants. Like I had, a, I remember there's a guy I used to play fantasy baseball with who was a big Yankee fan, and he would you know overdraft Yankees, and you could trade him Yankees for much better players, and that that's kind of silly. But I think it is kind of fun to you know have a guy in your favorite team that you can also be rooting for in the fantasy sense, and so. Like you said, Saquon is unattainable uh, unless you have the lucky enough to get the first or second pick. Um, and, you know, not a lot of, uh, uh, you know, riches in the skill position players there. But I do like Evan Ingram this year, that tight end. Uh, I think he's a good breakout candidate. Uh, I think uh, since there's no Odell and very few wide receivers, um, you know, other than Sterling Shepard, Ingram played very well and was targeted a lot in games when. Uh, when, when Odell did not play, and now Odell will not be playing for the Giants anymore. And, uh, and, and, he's, and you know, Ingram's one of these kind of new breed tight ends. He's fast and get down the field. He's got tight ends. He's more of a receiver than a tight end, which is perfect for fantasy football. So he's my guy. Okay. I, you know, I'm probably not going to get Barkley either. Um, but I would say that uh, for me, um, one giant I would get later on that I think will have a, a big year, but is kind of being slept on mainly because uh, he's suspended for the first four games is Golden Tate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think that is going to be Eli's new best friend, uh, being that Eli does not throw deep anymore. Um, and I think they use Evan Engram to kind of stretch the field down the seam and Golden Tate kind of plays a slot receiver role and does a lot of crossing routes underneath. And I think that's going to be a, a big, a big one for, for, for the Giants going forward. So um, I think there's only two players on the Giants team that I really would even consider. I'm not even a big fan of Evan Ingram. It would be mm -hmm. Golden Tate or Barkley should I have the first pick. Although I don't have him first on the list, which brings me for our first question. So uh, I know you're a big fantasy football fan as we started off. This, so am I. Um, so I've, I have my ranking set up at this point. But for me, I have, um, I have, well, this is what we're going to get into. So my question for you is, 
there are three players with a bunch of question marks next to their name who, if those questions were answered, could conceivably be one, two, three in this year's fantasy football draft. And that is Todd Gurley in his knee. Uh, was yep. the best player in fantasy football before he he hurt he got hurt at the end of last year. Uh, Melvin Gordon holding out requested a trade from the Chargers and Ezekiel Elliott who's holding out and also just told Jerry Jones uh, that he was um, he was hurt by his comments. So my question to you is. Who number one? Are you staying away from those guys if if by your draft uh, there's no answers, or what is your confidence level of those three guys going forward? Yeah, so I've been burned by this before and recently. Uh, as a well, here uh, let me let me let me. Yeah, I was going to say let me stop you right there because I think this is a situation where everyone last year was like, "Oh, Le'Veon Bell is going to play. I'm going to draft yeah. him." And now that that's all fresh in their mind, people are kind of in the same boat as you. So yeah, go continue. Yeah, so I got burned by Le'Veon Bell. He was my keeper last year, and he didn't play at all. Um, and I was not smart enough to draft uh, James Conner. Um, so that one really hurt. It hurts to completely whiff on your first or second round pick. So I tend to be a little bit more, uh, you know, conservative uh, and, and and not take a guy who, you know, may have an issue or maybe having a holdout situation. That said, um, there comes a point where it does make sense. And I and there, I think there is also a bit of a recency bias, you know, and a, and a soul pain from the Levy and Bell owners because it is pretty rare for a player to sit out a whole season. Usually these contract things do get resolved. Um, and I expect the, uh, the Elliot and Gordon contracts to get resolved. I think it might go into the season and take a few weeks. Um, but that doesn't bother me terribly. Um, so I think, you know, if Todd Gurley's there, you know, in the second round, um, it's going to be hard to pass up. So I would, I would rank them in my mind, uh, you know, Gurley, uh, Elliot, uh, and uh, and then Melvin Gordon. How about yourself? So I'm not touching Gurley. I won't draft him. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I I feel like they're. I feel like them. Not only signing uh, Malcolm Brown to uh, to extending his his time there and, and paying a premium to keep him in LA, then getting Daryl Henderson in the draft, I think in the third round or second round, something like that. Yep. that tells me they are not too sure on on Gurley's health, even though they keep saying it. But even if he is healthy, he's not going to get the amount of touches and carries that he's gotten the last couple of years. I think they, they hold them and keep them kind of like LeBron load management and save them for the playoffs. So either way you look at it, I don't think you're going to get the same girly. So he's number three for me. Cause I just, I'm not confident. I think the Rams really value what he brings to the table and it makes no sense for them to overuse him at the beginning of the season or, or throughout the regular season and rather just save him uh, for the end of the season. Um, so he's number three for number two. Um, is Melvin Gordon because mm-hmm. I think his scenario is much more like um, like Le'Veon Bell's last year where it's the last year of his contract. He wants out or an extension because he does not want um, he does not want the franchise tag. So I could see him holding out until like week nine or 10 uh, and do what many thought Le'Veon Bell was once he started mm-hmm. missing games and just collect the last five or six weeks. So it's a regular, it's a, it's counts as a year contract 
and then um, get paid or, or get franchised or what have you. So I think Melvin Gordon, uh, being that the Chargers have Justin Jackson and Austin Eakler, who filled in quite nicely for him last he year, sure I think the Chargers, uh, yeah, I think the Chargers are a team that they're they're willing to take their chances um, because Gordon was sensational last year, but Jackson and Eakler, there wasn't that much of a drop off from them and Gordon uh, last year. Uh, so number one from that is Ezekiel Elliott because. Mm-hmm. I feel like Jerry Jones is tired of being average. He's always been a yeah. winner. Uh, the only time when he hasn't wanted to win is when his ego got in the way early in the '90s with Jim uh, Jimmy Johnson, and then um, and you know during the rebuilding he was drafted. He was hiring a bunch of friends as coaches, um, and so if he feels like his team has a chance to win, um, there's no way he's going to go with a fourth round drafted tony pollard as their uh their main cog in an offense that really centers around the running back position let's be honest Mm -hmm. jerry jones got ezekiel elliott and then drafted a bunch of running backs to go to i mean excuse me a bunch of old linemen to kind of make holes and is trying to follow the same uh strategy that won him those super bowls in the early 90s with emmett smith and that's having an unbelievable o-line that anyone could run behind uh, but I think he believes if he has a team that's going to win it and they play the Giants that first week, if that team, if Ezekiel Elliott's not signed, then I believe he gets signed right then and there because Emmett Smith was there uh, in like 92 or 93. He held out. Jerry Jones tried to play hardball. They went 0-2. Yep. Emmett Smith got the biggest contract from a running back, and then they won the Super Bowl that year. So Jerry yeah. Jones winning comes first. Um, the interesting thing I'll say though, is I believe Dallas's season, let me look it up. I believe they have one of the easiest starts, uh, to a season, um, uh, this year. Let me, let me look that up real quick. Cause I'm yeah, pretty yeah, sure. It could be interesting. That's true. Yeah, while, while you're looking it up, I will say, I, I think your points are very good, especially about Elliot. And I'm also a little, uh, impacted by the fact that I just don't like Elliot as a player. And I wonder, uh, if that comes into play when you're drafting also. But look, Dallas is with Ezekiel Elliott as a good football team. Um, and without him, I just don't think they are. So I think you're right. I think I think Jones will cave in the end and, and he will be there rather than later. So the first three games that the Cowboys play is against the Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins. Wow. So, so maybe Jerry Jones... I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. So maybe Jerry Jones sees that and he's like, I can at least get play hardball for three weeks against those teams because those are obviously three rebuilding teams. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, I don't like this. I, that's why I'm happy that one of my leagues literally drafts. Uh, we go to Vegas every year and nice. we draft the Saturday before week one. So oh, the Thursday yeah. game has already happened. Yep. And then we watched the week one Sunday games in Vegas at like a sports book or a lounge, um, which is really fun, uh, you know, and and also all the answers are already out there. You know who's playing, you know yeah. who's hurt. Um, so that one, you have all the answers laid out. So it makes drafting really easy. You can take out all the uncertainties. So hopefully by then I'll know. But for my other leagues, um, who knows? But this seems to become a continuing trend in fantasy football uh, with players holding out. Um, sometimes it works out in 
in certain players' favors. All those people who got James Conner last year late, yep. uh, they're super happy. Um, but we'll see what happens this year with those three guys. Um, I know we, we had talked about uh, before, but I have to ask you, as a Giants fan, uh, we talked about this a little bit, but as a fan, are you okay taking Eagles, uh, Patriots, or whoever you hate as despise as a Giants fan? Absolutely. There, I mean, there are certain players I don't like. Like I mentioned, I don't like Ezekiel Elliott. He'd be a tough guy to swallow. Right. Um, but no, I, I mean, I love players. I love Carson Wentz. I, you know, I have had Brady in the past. Um, I have no problem doing that at all. I, not, none at all. You? <laughs> Um, I don't have a problem either, but I, w- I did want to talk about one thing because um, I had this conversation with – I put this out on, on the Twitter, mm-hmm. and it was after Tyreek Hill yep. uh, was, was not suspended. And I asked my fantasy football friends I, um, who I, – I used to write for about three different websites for fantasy football the last couple of years. Um, so I asked them, are you guys okay drafting Tyreek Hill? Um, and most of them were like, no, I'm not drafting him. Well, there's a, a couple who were, um, who were saying, look, I view, um, football players the same way I view actors. I'll go watch the movie if I want to see the movie, um, and cheer for what I used was like Mel Gibson. I said, (laughs) I was like, yeah, you'll cheer for William Wallace, but you won't cheer for Mel Gibson. And he was like, yeah, that's exactly it. So what is your stance? Do you, do you? Do you take into account a person's character when drafting fantasy football or it's all up in the air with fantasy football? I'd like to say I do take into – well, no. The fact is I don't take into effect. <laughs> I drafted Mike Vick for like a million years so much that people made fun of me who were in my league because they just knew I was going to draft him um, you know, before and then after his return. Um, so, uh, yeah, there are certain guys that just like He changed, Michael. He served some time. He paid his, time. He paid his dues. He's, you know, he's an incredibly athletic He paid guy. his dues. He can run, he can throw. I love guys who can run and throw. I couldn't help it. So, uh, so yeah, I'm all about the game inside the game when it comes to fantasy football. Just win, baby. Oh, okay. I like it. All right. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> There's not, not so much. As long as you can tell, tell your son, Jake, that you don't mind uh, taking somebody who's pled guilty and just putting them in your lineup. That's up to you. I'm not here to judge. Thank you. That's just Thank you. It makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So one of the things always people talk about with fantasy football, obviously, is uh, bus, surprises, sleepers. So I'm going to start with the negative first. Let's name your number one bust as we head into this fantasy football season have you done any drafts yet i have not done a draft yet but i do have we just we just started a family league that i'm very excited about with my cousins people all over the country it's great we just set up the league great team names maybe we could talk about team names at the end um so i have that one i have one that's uh you know i'm in a father-son league now a local town league with my son so we're going to draft the team together um, but yeah, my drafts are not till next week, closer to the season. So I haven't yet, but I think my number one bust, um, and you know, I'm fully prepared to, uh, to eat my hat on this one. Uh, but I'm going to go with Le'Veon Bell in new, in, for the New York Ooh. football. Death. Um, I think Ooh. the Jets, you know, the Jets are always kind of coming up short. 
The coach is kind of weird. Didn't seem to really like Bell. Trying to build around Darnold. I'm not a huge Darnold guy. I know a lot of people see a lot of, of greatness in him. I, I don't quite see it yet. Um, and uh, yeah, I just have a weird feeling about Le'Veon Bell moving. You know, moving from Pittsburgh, coming back off of a year off, being in a new situation. Um, and and look, Bust is going to take into account the fact that this guy. I mean, he's he's going to be a top seven or eight draft pick so um you know he's gonna have to perform live up to his draft billing um and uh and i don't see him at that level i'm not touching him what is your what is your uh your bust uh definition do they have to be picked within a couple of weeks or uh i mean a couple of in the first two rounds or what's what's kind of your um what's your kind of uh you know yeah I don't think it has to be first two rounds, but I would say you know first first two or three rounds who drastically underperforms their draft position. Okay, so, you, so using so, that definition, you're big. Um, I'm going first round as well, and I'm saying David Johnson is going to be my bust. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I I always have a hard time drafting players from teams that are going to be terrible because. Yeah, and rookie quarterback. Oh. Well, yeah, that's that's not so much the thing. It's more like like in fantasy football, like mm-hmm. touchdowns matter, and if a team's terrible, they're not going to score a lot of touchdowns. So um, my my sense is like a lot of people are are high on Kyler Murray. They're high on um, David Johnson because Cliff Kingsbury is coming in. He's bringing in the air raid. They move fast. They have a fast paced offense. But I'm like, how are they going to do that, though, if they're not on the field? And how are they going to do that? Look, I, can, I don't think we can. anyone can name a college head coach, successful college coach that, that has been successful in the NFL within the last 20 or 30 years. I, I mean, you could kind of rack your brain. But, I mean, Nick Saban didn't make it. Bobby Petrino didn't make it. I mean, Saban's now probably considered the greatest college football coach ever. And... And he couldn't make it in Miami. He left. He left after half a season or one season. Same with Bobby Petrino. So Cliff Kingsbury has a below average record in college football. So I don't understand what people think that he'll be successful. He has a lot of weapons, but and I know Matthew Barry, the fantasy football god, loves David Johnson this year. I just I yes. I'm always nervous. I'm always nervous to make that that leap forward on a terrible team. So like. I'm really nervous about Arizona. Yeah. I'm nervous about taking anybody from Miami, yeah, that sort true. of thing. So David Johnson yeah, it's no is my fun must. taking players from teams that just don't report. I like that. Yeah, and, and I agree and with I, you on Kingsbury. I think uh I think that's a, again oh sorry, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and you know, I I I have a tendency to kind of favor really good offensive teams and pick guys uh, in that because I know they're going to score a lot of points. And so you have a better opportunity yeah. in, in fantasy football. It comes down to opportunity and you have a better opportunity to get touchdowns and a touch. If a, if a player like Evan Ingram, I had him in his rookie year and he didn't rack up a lot of yards, but the dude had a lot of touchdowns and six points. Yep. <laughs> can If he has 20 yards and six points, that's still a good outing. Uh, and that goes yep. with for any position. You you have more opportunity to score. You have more opportunity to get a lot of points. So that's my that's my reasoning. Go ahead. Sorry. 
Yeah, no, I was, gonna, I was just going to agree with you on Kingsbury. I think it's, again, an example of, you know, it's a copycat league and it's a recency bias kind of league. And people saw young offensive genius, you know, McVay come in and turn the Rams around and they're an awesome offensive juggernaut. And, you know, he's got the same facial hair and he's young and they think he's going to do the same thing. But, again, that's pretty rare to come in as a rookie coach, as a young guy, and have that kind of success. Uh, I think if you're a betting man, you'd probably do much better betting the other way. Yep. So, I mean, we, we labeled our bus. We're both going first round. So, so does that mean that you're staying away? You're not drafting him? Let's say you're, you're picking 12th and Le'Veon Bell is still on the board. Are you passing on him or are you taking him at 12? That, that becomes very tough. Uh, I, would, I mean, Le'Veon Bell with the example just given last year, just bad juju. Uh, no, that's a bad bad name because there's a player named Juju, um, <laughs> who's also probably available at twelve. But uh, yeah, I'm not going. I'm 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 not drafting Bell this year. Okay, well, bad Juju would probably be Antonio Brown this year. He's bad Juju. Good Juju is Juju. Bad Juju is Antonio Brown. That's that's exactly. I think I think um, we're not we're going to try not to get into hel- the the helmet situation again. Um, we're going to stay far steer clear away. But on the other side of the spectrum. Who is your breakout guy? Who is the guy you think is going to come on the scene and really leave his mark um, that people are kind of sleeping on uh, heading into 2019? It could be a sleeper or a breakout, or it could be a guy that's you know you think is getting drafted maybe second or third round that's going to be a top top performer. Yeah, that's a, so that's a good one. I have I have a couple guys that I like. Um, I mean, so one is a guy who I've always loved. I always draft him. He always gets into trouble. Um, but that's Josh Gordon, uh, uh-huh. who finds himself unsuspended, um, number one receiver in New England. No Gronkowski, um, still Brady there. And uh, so, you know, I, I I don't know about breakout, but I think he's going to have a very good season. And I think he's just because of the the suspension was so, uh, or the, you know letting him back into the league off suspension was so recent. Uh, he's probably not in a lot of people's minds. So Josh Gordon is one. And then one a little bit higher who I'd like, um, who was hurt last year is Dalvin cook. I think Dalvin cooks can be a first round value running back. Uh, Minnesota's got the hogs. They run the ball. They've got a good offense. Um, and you know, before he got hurt, that guy was setting the world on fire. Uh, and I think a lot of people have forgotten that. Uh, so I like Dalvin cook as an RB one kind of value. You catch the ball too. Yeah, I think Dalvin Cook is a good one, but if you take Dalvin Cook, you probably want to take his backup because that guy hasn't been able to stay healthy. But I like Dalvin Cook, especially since uh, yeah. Zimmerman has come out last year and said he wants to be a running team, and that's why they fired their offensive coordinator because they want to be more uh, run-focused, even though they have probably, if not the best, one of the best wide receiver combos with Diggs and Thielen. So, um, yeah, I think Dalvin Cook's a good one for sure. For me... Um, I'm going to say at running back, I like Carrion Johnson this year. Um, I think them getting rid of Theo Riddick, trading him to Denver, um, and, and bringing in a uh, rookie tight end, TJ Hawkinson. Um, I think they are going to pound the ball in. They, uh, hired, um, former Seahawk offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel. 
Um, so if anyone remembers them with Seahawks, they were a run first team with Marshawn Lynch where he was pounding the ball. And then the, the offense was more of a play action offense based off of the run. So I think carry on Johnson becomes the focus of that team. Um, so I like carry on Johnson. I think, I think because there's nobody else out there, he's going to be a three down back. Uh, so I really like him in Detroit. Um, and that kind of maybe goes against what I just said about trying to find teams with good offenses. Yeah. Um, but maybe they, maybe. But I have faith in Daryl Bevel as a run-first coordinator, and um, and carry on Johnson with no but a, no one around him that's going to steal um, steal steal some of the third down pass plays or, or run by committee. So I like carry on Johnson. That's my guy. Interesting pick. That's a good, that's a good yeah. sleeper. So sure. we'll see what happens with that. Um, one more thing before we get get too deep into anything else, I have to ask you. Um, we're going to go favorite fantasy moment. Oh, man. Favorite fantasy moment. Are, are there fantasy moments? <laughs> oh, well, there's some bad fantasy moments. <laughs> Like there are moments where they're going for a touchdown and then the game dictates that they not. So I I had that moment happen to me uh, my first year playing in that Vegas league. (laughs) I remember it vividly. I had Kurt Warner with the high-flying Arizona Cardinals. Um, He threw a (laughs) touchdown pass to Anquan Bolden that got me into the championship game. The – that was – it was uh, on a Wednesday – the day before the first championship game game was going to run on the Thursday night game, it was changed to a lateral, and I lost. And oh, that holds cold. dear to my heart because I had set up my team to perform in the playoffs. Like I made a bunch of trades. I was sitting so pretty, and that happened. And um, to this day, it, it hurts a really bad. The other one is I had, this was in, I want to say 2013 in the playoffs. Once again, I was down like 15 with only Justin Tucker left in the playoffs on Monday night. He kicked like four field or six field goals and I won (laughs) and I couldn't look my friend in the eye the next time I saw him because that was one of the most heartbreaking things. He was just kicking field goal after field goal, some 50 yarders. And I was just watching and being like, just, I just remember sitting there. Like, I remember looking on my phone, like, uh, cause I have this tendency where I don't want to look at the game. Like, I don't want to watch games. Um, like it, when it comes down to that, because I, it's like, I'm more superstitious about fantasy football than I am my regular sports teams. So like, I won't watch Like if it comes just like last year, I was in a championship game and I had Damian Williams on the Sunday night and I needed something like 24 points and I wouldn't watch the game and I just would check in every now and again and I ended up losing by two points, but I just was like, I'm not watching the game. I don't, I don't think I could withstand uh-huh. that. And, but so it kind of eased the pain because you just expect to lose. So, um, those were my, my best was Justin Tucker. I do the same thing. And then listen, yeah. I was gonna say I was gonna say my best was Justin Tucker. My worst was Kurt Warner. Um, I'll never forget those two two games, and I'm sure we all have moments like that. Yeah. Um, for sure. And now that I know what you're talking about, I do remember by that. Uh, I think 
I don't remember exactly what happened, but I or like who the player was. But I remember going into a Monday Night Football game. My opponent was up by a point, and he started a quarterback, and the quarterback got sacked, strip, fumble, first play of the game, lost the points, and got hurt, oh. and I won. So oh. that was probably the best moment. Right up there with with I think I I had Terrell Davis on my team the year that that he was just nuts and uh, that was a good year uh, that whole year uh, and I'll just moment. add last year um, I was up forty points on somebody and he had Jared Goff in that Chiefs Rams oblivion obliterated oh offensive and I was like I think I should be good and then, <laughs> and then that game not only did they <laughs> score a bunch of points they went into overtime and he threw the game winning touchdown pass that put him over the edge. And then, or no, it didn't go in overtime. I remember he had through the game winning touchdown pass and I had somebody on the other team as well. And I just remember the Rams got the ball back and I'm like, if he like downed it, like if he went back and downed it, I would have won. And instead they ran, they gave the ball to Gurley or somebody. And I was just like, ah, it was one of those moments, but it can be a very cool cool game, game. but you enjoy the highs and you, you, you're somber in the lows, but it's what makes fantasy football. And let's be honest, betting so much fun. And this is just a year-long betting. Uh, instead of like only a bet lasting three hours, this bet lasts six months. And so it's a fun. Well, we're running out of time, so we'll just get to the, our last thing. Uh, Michael, give me your top players for quarterback, running back, receiver, and tight end. We'll probably have the same. Um, so taking into account – so, like the number one player, like like where, I, like oh, who I think should be first. the number one, or who will I think be drafted let's do this low first. Uh, Give me your the quarterback, running back, receiver, and tight end you're targeting based on where you think you can get them, and then also uh, who you uh, who you think is the best quarterback in fantasy football, et cetera, et cetera. For instance, for instance, okay. if you're yeah, go yeah. Ahead. so I think the best quarterback. I think the best quarterback's yeah. going to be Mahomes, even though I think he'll regress a little bit. Um, I think the best running back is going to be Saquon Barkley of the New York Football Giants, um, and I think the best receiver um, is going to be Michael Ooh, Thomas interesting. of the New Orleans Saints because uh, there are less options there, and uh, you know he's a below the radar. If you can be below the radar and be that damn good, um, but uh, I know a lot of people like Hopkins or, or Adams or, or others. Uh, I like Michael Thomas. So, uh, so why don't you give me your tops, and then I'll, I'll tell you who I'm targeting. So my top, um, I think we're all in comparison. It's Mahomes. I think, uh, again, referencing Matthew Barrier, I think he said if Mahomes threw like something like 14 less touchdown passes last year, he still would have ranked first. Um, so it's hard, hard to argue those stats um, when you're when you're picking a top guy uh, for running back. If Zeke is there week one, I think he's the best running back. Um, if he's not, I think Christian McCaffrey is the best running back. I just think, uh, again, going back to my theory on poor teams, I just don't see how Barkley can be as successful as he was last year when everyone's just going to be expecting him to get the ball. I just don't know how, but he proved it last year. I think he'd led the league with 50 plus touchdown runs, um, last year. So I, I mean, who knows? But I think McCaffrey, what he means to that offense, they've added some more offensive weapons that should clear things up a little bit more. Cam Newton's healthy. So I think I think McCaffrey, I like him if Zeke is not able to go week one or isn't isn't playing week one. Uh, receiver, I'm kind of conflicted. I think uh, Devontae Adams is my number one guy. But 
at the same time, I think Julio Jones mm-hmm. uh, could easily be that number one guy um, based on the performance he had last year um, coming into this year, especially the year yeah. uh, Matt Ryan had um, uh, last year. It's easily could be Julio Jones. But right now, I really like um, Devontae Adams just based because Aaron Rodgers, they're going to be playing fast. But I mean, Julio Jones last year, he had over he had over sixteen hundred yards receiving, had over a hundred seventy targets, um, which is crazy. Averaged over hundred four yards per game, um, and he only had uh, and he had he had eight touchdowns, which was great for him. But I think like that dude is always a menace, and so. Um, we'll see, but Devontae Adams, I think, is the only guy in the last four years mm-hmm. to to score more than ten touchdowns. So hard to argue with that as well. So, oh, and then tight end, oh, tight end is Kelsey. Yes, I, I love Kelsey. Yep. Okay. Yeah, who are you talking with that? Kelsey's great. That in that. Uh, so quarterback, super deep. Um, and I love being able to get like, I would love to get a Baker Mayfield or Carson Wentz kind of a little late. Uh, the, the upper echelon is, is great, but, but being able to get a slinger like that late, I think it would be fantastic. So those are the two guys I'm targeting at the quarterback position, uh, running back position. Uh, I like, I like guys like Chris Carson in Seattle. Uh, I like, uh, I like the rookie Josh Jacobs in Oakland. I think that's going to be interesting. So, so I'm targeting him. Uh, and at wide receiver, um, I do like me some Cooper Cup. Um, and I like Juju too, but he's he's pretty high. We'll see how solid. high he goes. Yes. Oh, and a tight end. There's a lot of value at tight end too that could be interesting. Jared Cook in New Orleans could be interesting. Um, I mentioned Ingram earlier. Uh, you know, Delaney, Delaney Walker usually you know does real well out in tennessee so i think there's some nice late tight ends that aren't you know yeah i like your picks i think those are all solid picks um for me like the quarterback look we talked about recency bias last year uh lewis riddick on espn said patrick mahomes was going to be the mvp and and throw somewhere around 35 40 touchdowns um and people people shrugged them off this year he's saying Carson Wentz is going to be the MVP. So I'm looking at Carson Wentz because yep. I'm going by the Lewis Riddick uh, stamp of approval for this year. Why not Ri- Wentz oh, got Deshaun Jackson ba- back, who everyone's saying is really, really <laughs> kind of they've they've got a good chemistry going. Uh, they've drafted Miles Sanders, picked up uh, jo- Jordan Howard uh, from the Bears. Um so I'm going with with him, and then of course they still got Zach Ertz. So I'm gonna go with Carson Wentz as my guy. I'm gonna be targeting like seventh or eighth round. If not, I would love me some Baker Mayfield. I would I would love Baker Mayfield. Um, receive uh, running back. Um, I like David Montgomery with uh, the Bears. Um, I think he's in for for a good year. Another mm. rookie guy who can come in. Yeah, I also like Chris Carson as well. Um, um, so, so we're, we're in, we're in, uh, Alliance there and then receiver. Um, I really, I told you about golden Tate as a really late round pick that I kind of, I'm kind of feeling, 
Um, a lot of people are high on DJ Moore. I'm not really. I'm 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 kind of iffy on that. I'm not really sure how I wanna if I wanna jump on that bag bandwagon just mm-hmm. yet. Um, but a lot of people are high on DJ Moore, so I'm kind of torn on my receiver. I'm not really sure, uh, but I do tell you that later I really want to go after Emmanuel Sanders. Everyone's saying in Denver like he's really like recovered from that Achilles injury. Um, so if I can get him really late, uh, that's that's somebody I might get as a sleeper late late in the draft. Um, Emmanuel Sanders with Denver. Uh, tight end, I'm with you. I like Jared Cook. Everyone's been waiting for the next uh, Jimmy Graham to team up with um, with uh, Drew Brees, and I really think that could be Jared Cook based on his skill set and able to stretch the field down the seam. So I'm going to go with Jared Cook after the year he had in Oakland as my tight end uh, du jour, so to speak. Um, Mike, we got we packed in a we packed in a lot of information in that in that short little. 36 Bye. minute time period. We might have to do a part two, get some guests on here that we talked about, maybe do a mock draft, get everyone involved um, before the season starts. I know you're taking a break till Labor Day. Excellent. So maybe we can do it after Labor Day, get in right before the season starts. Uh, but I know you had a sports goodness that you did Goodman Project on uh, about Chris Davis. Why don't, you, why don't you hit us with that as we as we sing off into the sunset with our <laughs> Sure. With so our no, there's a great story out of baseball C-talks. this week. Uh, this, I mean, Chris Davis... I think a lot of people know, you know, he signed a big contract. He's had seasons where he's hit, you know, 50 home runs. But recent years have been really tough for the guys, hitting under 200. Uh, he's got this gigantic contract. I think a lot of people like to poke fun at that. Um, and uh, there was this uh, young man, uh, uh, Red Sox fan, um, and uh, he, uh, the Red Sox were playing the Orioles, and, and he wrote Chris Davis a letter. Uh, you know, told him that he was uh, that you know how he played baseball didn't define who he was, and they was rooting for him. Um, it, was, it was it was just an incredibly precocious, you know, beautiful kind of thing. And Chris Davis actually got the letter. It was in the midst of his you know zero for fifty six slump, which was a, a record. Uh, put the letter in his pocket, was carrying around with him, and ended up uh, getting three hits that night, uh, busting out of his slump. Uh, and you know, they met last week. I uh, talked to him in the dugout and. Uh, it was just pretty cool. Just gave me a lot of hope for a, for a kid to have that kind of perspective um, and to have that kind of interaction between a pro athlete and a kid, uh, where where it's the nine year old uh, who's who's the one who's uh, you know saying the stuff that that that, that are the things you want to take away and the big big points that you want to uh, you know feel in in life. Um, I thought the whole story was really cool, really beautiful. So that was my sports goodness for the week. Yeah, like it or not, I would say that most people would say that um, you know a lot of a lot of kids. I would say tons of kids look up to pro athletes. With like I said, whether we like it or not. So the fact that number one, he took the time out to meet with this kid, and who knows, this might spur this young this young boy to take uh, you know to to do something in baseball or to 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 focus and hone in on a specific kind of school study. Like it might be something that, that, that leads to, to more positive uh, positivity down the line. So yeah, anytime we get players take time out of their day to kind of do these one-on-ones who knows the impact it has on those kids. So absolutely great sports goodness for this week. Uh, Fantasy football. I'm saying it right now. We're doing episode two of two. The next time we meet, this is episode one of two. Uh, from Mike Kazin, I'm Vi Salas. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Sports Detox.
days on the boulevard I landed. We used to kick routines and the presence was fitting. It was I, the abstract. And me, the five footer, I kicks the mad style.